Club Cosmos Radio. Hello. Hi, Malia. What's up? What's going on? Mm, not a lot. Had quite the ordeal with the last episode, but happy to be back. <laughs> I know. Mercury retrograde is really just making shadow. her shadow known. <laughs> yeah, I can feel it happening. I mean, yeah, Me this too. this week has been slowing down, but somehow hectic. Yeah, exactly. And- like my car is telling me a lot of giving me a lot of beeps it's giving me it's telling me it has like a lot of new needs that need to be taken care of immediately and I can just I'm I'm bracing I'm bracing Mm -hmm. myself it's hard it's hard to (laughs) deal with all of this shit when it's just like we're really in just we're just still so in this Venus retrograde I feel like we talk about it all the time it's been going on so (laughs) bloody long since we started the podcast basically. <laughs> yeah pretty much I don't know everybody's going through it in a way that I just want anyone that's listening to this to know you're not alone <laughs> everyone no. is like I think it's like at this point a little over the halfway point um when we're recording and in the final stretch when you listen to this mm-hmm. hopefully the themes are becoming clear. Like, I think the Kazemi helped that a lot. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that it's feeling better. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I understand what this is for, but I do not like this <laughs> one little bit. Yeah. Everybody is just really needing validation. And you can't, it, you can't force really, you can't, you can't force, you can't, you can't like ask someone to give you the validation that you need. When everyone else is struggling. Yes. Yes, exactly. So it just feels a little bit like you only want to make the relational side work and just get the energy flowing again, but in relationships, get the kind of attention and validation that you need, but you can only control yourself. So it's like, all you can do is sort of reckon with the ways that you have to give it to yourself or you have to figure out why you need it so much or figure out what a healthy source of this is when like everybody in your life is also just going through the same thing in a different part of their chart. It's it's rather boring. Yeah, it is boring. <laughs> it's, it's so like, just, it's such a I drag. It. It's a drag. <laughs> That that's what's difficult about we record these we release it a week later so mm-hmm. sometimes the timing you don't always remember mm-hmm. and by you I mean we <laughs> we did mention in part two of the moon app moon signs app that Mars opposite Neptune might bring some kind of bad weather like a hurricane on the 22nd and <laughs> it did not mean to LA <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that wouldn't have been the guess <laughs> yeah like for the first to, time in 85 years not to wish that on anybody else no. but that was not my it's yeah. not exactly conventional to have a, a hurricane in SoCal no but we're getting alerts aplenty and the sun is shining bright. Everyone's at the pool. Yeah, it's so. scorching. Yeah, she hasn't. Hillary has not landed yet. But yeah, how how bizarre. <laughs> really bizarre. But we'll be reporting back. No, we won't. Yeah. You won't be oh, hearing actually, from us yeah, about the it. Other thing. Because <laughs> we're taking a break. This is actually our finale of our 
first season, I guess. Yeah. Oh, 12 episodes. Can proud you believe of us. it? I'm so proud of us. And we're so grateful for you for listening in a little over a month. We'll be back. Don't worry, Libras. We'll have your special episode mm-hmm. first out of the gate. And then we're going to have some really fun, spooky season episodes. I know. I'm really excited about that. Me too. Yeah. But... First, we're going to, well, this is obviously the Virgo episode, Virgo mood board and Virgo Mercury retrograde horoscopes, all that juicy stuff. But we're going to check in about some of the stuff that's happened this week first. So the there's still just like celebrity drama, celebrity news, Brittany and Sam Ashgari split up. Yeah, I, I, I don't love to look too closely at Britney Spears astrology because I don't know the whole situation just it's confounding and sad and all I can do is send love and support love and light to to Britney but yeah just get another celebrity breakup that apparently they've been separated since the since July yeah probably yeah basically like right at the beginning Um, But there was some good news this week that I just want to celebrate, which is that all these amazing kids that sued the state of Montana, because in the state constitution, it protects like the environment is Mm -hmm. and like the right to a clean and clean air and waters are are protected in uh, Montana state constitution. And so they basically sued them, which is like a precedent case about 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 basically like representing nature and like mm-hmm. the right to a life sustaining environment in court and they won they won on the 14th and jupiter i mean not that there is so much like it had to happen this day about the astrology of that but mm-hmm. Jupiter is now in orb, which means within 10 degrees. Mm -hmm. Um, Different people use different orbs, but Mm -hmm. I think that for these outer planets, like (laughs) it really, we're going to be feeling this building for a long time. And it just feels really like a nice moment of Jupiter and Uranus and Taurus working Mm -hmm. together to basically disrupt and change the convention the conventions around like how we view our relationship to like our right our, our rights to basically exploit the the planet so in that is in the same breath that we have a hurricane in, in los I angeles know. it just made me feel really hopeful jupiter and taurus and uranus and taurus they are approaching and in a way that's very explosive and big and it's also i hope just kind of revolutionary and innovative and that conjunction happens in late April of 2024 so yeah we're building up on it we've had all this other like earthly silly drama yeah just like celebrity drama but it's just like it brings you back just brings you back into the big picture I feel like the big picture has been so absent and and Jupiter and Taurus is like the way that it expands is slowly by nature or the Mm -hmm. way that it brings things about is gradually but mm-hmm. sustainably setting up things for like long-term growth mm-hmm. that's how it behaves in the slow moving sign of Taurus but mm-hmm. yeah it just kind of brought me out of my just thinking about myself all week yeah <laughs> thinking about myself and all the people that haven't emailed me back <laughs> what about you you also had a magical experience this week 
I did. I saw Bob Baker's Marionette Theater for the first time, which was so good and so sweet. Just a magical, magical theater. He's an Aquarius, of course. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Bob Baker was great. It was this show that was about the history of L.A. (laughs) And it was just so cute and special and funky and just kind of pushed me over the edge into a fan of LA like oh I could I I want to know more yeah that place is magic yeah so good there were moments when I was just like all right are we gonna start crying now? I cried my first Bob Baker yeah show. I was laughing so hard at these little <laughs> cactuses doing a silly little dance that it just really brings up some nice like inner child stuff yeah because it's also you're just like surrounded with children that are just living their fucking best I know. life yeah there's nothing i love more than creepy funky kids entertainment yeah it's totally. it's my soul spot so <laughs> that was a blast i highly recommend going if you're in la yeah totally that picked up my spirit for humanity again Um, Yeah, so we're going into Virgo season, and like we've talked about last week and have been talking about, it's a little bit of a rough go for Virgo, just like it's a little bit of a rough go for Leo, but in a different way, and I do think that this Mercury retrograde is going to be very helpful in the end for this whole process of what we've been going through, but Virgo in general, the dates are August 23rd to September 22nd. The Mercury retrograde starts on the same day that Virgo season starts, which Bummer. is just rude. Yeah, very and disrespectful. <laughs> so there's about a week of Virgo <laughs> season without Mercury retrograde. Mercury retrograde ends on September 15th. And again, a reminder that Venus retrograde ends on September 3rd. So there's a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so... Virgo is um, <laughs> the mutable earth. And I've been thinking a lot about the mutable signs, patiently waiting to get back to a mutable season. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like so a much long, long summer. Um, but mutable, you know, is like the lesson of any mutable sign, especially for Virgo, is to be in the process, mm-hmm. is to be in the moment of transition and not to be at the final thing and not to start something new. <laughs> It's just to be in the moment. And when I was thinking about Virgo, especially because we've been talking about Leo so much and we're starting to think about Libra, which we'll talk about later, but Leo is the self and Libra is the relationship with the other. And Virgo is really all the practical ways that you learn how to go from yourself to being in a relationship. And it's by taking care of people and by being of service and having a certain kind of compassion and groundedness to the way that you express yourself and hear others. And it's very mercurial in that way. It's like being curious in a practical way. Yeah. Like mutable earth, as opposed to Taurus, which is all the delicious delights of being in a body on this earth. Virgo, ruled by Mercury, Mm -hmm. is reflecting on all the necessary systems that support life and support relationships. Like you said, all of the creatures and ecosystems and environments Mm -hmm. that need a particular set of circumstances to be able to grow and to 
live and to interact with each other. And Virgo has a, a natural association with wheat because uh, Virgo season is the time of the harvest. Mm-hmm. But I think about it in terms of agriculture and cultivation. Like Virgo is a patient gardener that Mm -hmm. needs to make sure that like all of the minerals in the soil are correct and that all the good bugs are there and Mm -hmm. the bad bugs aren't. And just that attentiveness that, that Virgo has to the world. That's how I think about it of mutability. Like uh, these systems are, are self-sustaining and impact each other, can throw each other off of balance. Mm -hmm. Um, and to put, to keep, our systems of living in balance requires attention and care and cultivation. Um, mm-hmm. I think of cultivation as like a big Virgo word mm-hmm. too. And then it's like, I guess you think of Capricorn being more geologic time scales. Like how mm-hmm. do all of these systems actually tell the story of what we are and yeah. <laughs> where we're going and why we're here? Yeah, I mean, Capricorn is dreaming up the machine, but nothing would work without Virgos. They are really moving all the parts and adapting all the parts. The flow of the tinkering Mm -hmm. of Virgo is that they're moving the rocks around to the irrigation system works. That's what's nice about mutables is that they're always adjusting to Mm -hmm. the constant change that is life. They're good at adjusting to that. You know, like there's Leo has to express itself and Libra is obsessed with the ideal of beauty but Mm -hmm. there has to be steps in between somebody's got to get the groceries (laughs) yeah well it's also just virgo is like well there's a practical way to make that self-expression beautiful totally i think that's so practice it speaks so much and of course to like the patron saint of all virgos which is beyonce um (laughs) the celebrity they love to point out is a virgo um Uh, But Leo and Virgo together are the combination of a superstar. Mm -hmm. Michael Jackson, also a Virgo. Mm -hmm. And then Madonna is a Leo, but she's Virgo rising. Mm -hmm. Like the anyone that you could call the king or queen of of pop music at all. Mm -hmm. It takes that Leo, you know, talent and and charisma and artistic expression but it takes fucking practice it Mm -hmm. takes work it takes dedication to the craft like natural talent on its own like a leo um just kind of expecting that everybody is gonna give a shit about (laughs) them and their specialness that doesn't get you very far or it can only get you to a certain point you know it can keep you in a kind of lazy stubborn place as we've talked about with leo so the fixed signs where virgo can be like okay i've got to adapt i'm going to change my whole image Mm -hmm. I'm fine. I can do that work. It's a lot of work to change, but Virgo's on board for that in a way that no one else is. Yes. But one of the contradictions or the or the complications for Virgo in relation to the other mutables, because it is bound to earth, it is embodied, it is connected to its body in a way that the other mutables aren't, um, mm-hmm. because it's an earth sign, mm-hmm. is the the mutable drive to change, progress, and basically a constant state of development and the limitations or just the very like unimmutable material fact of our living bodies and our lifetimes and Mm -hmm. just the actual bounds of that reality have around Mm -hmm. what is how much change is possible how much transformation is possible Mm -hmm. virgo's 
are one of their incredible superpowers is their observation. They are keenly aware of everything and in, in a very mercurial way that is constantly curious, but they're super analytical and that makes them excellent at, um, math and math. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's, there's something very stemmy about Virgos. <laughs> It does make them great at math, <laughs> but like the, there's tension between the Virgo as observer mm-hmm. and the Virgo, like where you're evaluating systems that you understand that you're a part of, which mm-hmm. I think is like the higher, the, the mature form of Virgo, knowing that you're actually in this system that you're looking mm-hmm. at. It's not just you moving everything else around you, moving all the numbers around mm-hmm. um, from this kind of remove or objective distance. And you being this outside judge that's basically like, here's how everything should go, <laughs> becoming so critical of everything that's around you, knowing that you're a part of the world versus looking at it from a distance, I think impacts Virgo's ability to make the kinds of changes on the world that they want to. Mm-hmm. Because if they go too far outside, then they get into the basically like, nobody's listening to me. <laughs> I'm right about everything. But to be an effective... The uh, martyrdom. Yeah, the martyrdom side of Virgo. My system works best. Mm-hmm. Why Why is everybody doing this the dumb way? I'm like, there's only one right way to do it, and it's my way. And if everyone's not doing it my way, then I'm really just going to cross my arms and go to the corner, which is so what Virgos can do. Yeah. But like the wisdom to know that you're in the world and a part of it and you're in your body and a part of it, I feel like it's just a lifelong quest for a Virgo. I feel like they have one of the more daunting tasks for how to reconcile with their own sign because earth signs do like tangible outcomes. Mm -hmm. And as opposed to Gemini, the other Mercury ruled sign, Gemini is so much about ideas and communication. Those things are just floating around (laughs) in the air and don't really have substance for Geminis, Mm -hmm. at least. They don't need to touch the ground. (laughs) Yeah. And Virgos can be watching everything and filing it away in their mind or building it up in their mind in a perfect form. And their opposite is Pisces. Their lesson is always, okay, now let it go. <laughs> yeah, It can't exist. And that's a really hard thing to be aware of a perfect outcome and then have to be like, but I'm still human and I can't do that. That's yeah. not the point of what my strength is. Perfectionism is obviously one of the key keywords mm-hmm. for, for Virgo. But it gets to this point where it's like that in that Pisces Virgo axis where perfection is a final state and we are Mm -hmm. never in a final state. Mm -hmm. Perfection is death when you really think about it. It's like that's really when everything is resolved. It's the end. (laughs) It's the end. There's moments of balance. There's moments of correct calibration of all the parts that work together in a beautiful way that Virgos are just so specially specialists in Mm -hmm. but perfection is the enemy the true Mm -hmm. enemy of all virgos actually even though it's their driving principle perfection i feel like is what turns their bright and creative ability to problem solve and reckon with the mess and the complications of making things work together Mm -hmm. and it turns it into this kind of brittle hypercritical 
sense of self failure, basically. Mm -hmm. Like if you can't, if you can't make something perfect, if you can't make yourself perfect, then you're no good at all. (laughs) It's a harsh attribute to have because they can be so self-critical and you can also, even if they're not intentionally or consciously doing it, feeling how they're doing it to you. Why are you holding me to the standard or holding this situation to the standard? It doesn't make it any more fun, which is like the relational or the expressive sides of Leo and Libra where it starts to be like, but you're forgetting the humanity of the situation. Mm -hmm. But they are just so good at, I just am really thinking of my brother who is a Virgo moon, who is just like, ever since he was a kid, been fixing guitars and synthesizers and just like Mm -hmm. taking them apart and putting them back together and learning how to tinker and soldering things. And it's just like something that I would never, ever, (laughs) ever have the patience for. Similarly, it's like the patience for the patience for the details, Mm -hmm. the details they see these details everywhere, which is what makes Virgo so witty and funny at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like of the observation, like, honestly, there's nobody better. There's no shadier sign than a Virgo. And there's nobody better to talk shit with than a Virgo because their reads are gnarly. They see absolutely everything. Which I, I made a list, but we can get to it later. But it's funny how many Virgos fall into a very particular kind of British male archetype yes. that is so, like, charming and witty and and crass at the yeah. same time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dorothy Parker, a Virgo. Was it her that was just like... Um, if you don't have anything nice to say, then sit next to me. <laughs> oh, that's <Yeah>. funny. <laughs> um, but like that can just make them so, I mean, they are just so just th- that's the mercurial side of them, too. They're also amazing writers for the same mm-hmm. way where it's just like in Gemini, ideas can just fly around in the ether mm-hmm. and just always breaking news with like whatever the new thing they're excited about. But Virgos take this a- acute sense of observation and perception about the world around them and they can translate it into a they can translate it into something material into a novel and that's been edited a million times they're amazing editors as well like they just Mm -hmm. see they see everything but they can't turn their fucking vision off (laughs) there's no off switch yeah which they make really good fashion designers and stylists yes oh my god let me just read this list of of designers that are virgos this is like absolutely nuts and i'm sure that there's even some that i'm missing tom ford carl lagerfeld stella mccartney kim jones thomas burberry laquan smith elsa schiaparelli simone rocha pierre paolo piccioli <laughs> you like what i'm doing <laughs> you like what i'm doing there um anthony vaccarello and olivier roustang yeah like it, it makes so much sense for fashion because of n- not and, and high fashion because of not only just like the the perfection the 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 attention to detail the details are everything but you know fashion is just so iterative it's like there's really no new garment under the sun we've mm-hmm. figured out every single thing mm-hmm. you can do to cover your body up or not and so fashion is cyclical and 
Virgos are so perfect at making that little twist, uh, like analyzing this style or like this style of skirt and altering the pocket in this way that makes it feel fresh or like altering the fit in the way that makes it feel different. There, There's a reason that they're all, that there's so many in fashion and in styling. Yeah. I mean, they're good editors of objects and materials in a way that as a Gemini, it would get too stuck in the conceptual well, I, I don't know. The idea isn't right. And Virgos can really just be like, no, this is the wrong material. Move it around. It Now the idea has presented itself. It doesn't matter. Like you've made a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'll just, I'll just mention these uh, British Virgos because it's <laughs> a funny list. Colin Firth, Jeremy Irons, Hugh Grant, Peter Sellers, Prince Harry, Idris Elba, also Elvis Costello and... There's some other ones, Fred, mm-hmm. Freddie Mercury and Jarvis Cocker. It's just like a specific kind of like bumbling. Oh, Rupert Grin, who's Ron <laughs> Weasley. <laughs> um, yeah, like kind of a bumbling, mischievous. It's still Mercury ruled. It's, there's definitely flirty, mischief. floppy hair. Yeah, flirty, like, floppy. Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> elegant. There's like a certain mm-hmm. level of just, yeah, Virgos are elegant um, in, or they can be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they're not being so broad and burlesque, like some of the Virgos that we'll <laughs> talk about later too. But um, yeah, there's so much more to say, but let's get a little bit into kind of the the mythology Mm -hmm. and like the tarot associations for Virgo. So it's funny because the Virgo myth, there's like a couple different stories or explanations for this constellation of Virgo, Mm -hmm. but they're, they've all been associated with this wheat, (laughs) wheat bearing, (laughs) like harvest Mm -hmm. goddess. One of the associations is with Persephone, who was the daughter of Demeter, the goddess of the harvest, and Hades, the god of the underworld, swoops her away. Demeter is like, where the fuck is my daughter? She le- She's going in search of Persephone, and the harvest fails. Everyone's starving. All the other gods intervene to basically broker bringing Persephone back. So she's the goddess of spring and they basically make an agreement that she'll be, she can return to earth to help her mom <laughs> with mm-hmm. the harvest for six months of a year, which is how long you can see the Virgo constellation in the sky only for six months in the Northern hemisphere. But it's really interesting to me that Virgo, which is associated, like we think of Virgo as being the virgin. She's not actually a virgin in the way that we think of that word. It, the Latin word Virgo actually means something closer to self-contained or self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. And that's something that in, in usage was originally applied to unmarried women, but that included mothers, temple maidens that also were doing sacred sex <laughs> rites mm-hmm. uh, in the temple as well. As much as Virgo is about purity (laughs) and perfection, the way we think of a virgin, I like to think about her more as being an autonomous, generative, self-directed, self-sufficient woman. The tarot association with Virgo, there's a couple. There's the magician, which represents Mercury, which he has all of his tools of magic laid out on his table and he's raising his wand up to the heavens and pointing his other hand down at the ground. It's very the as above, so below principle. Mm-hmm. Drawing ideas, drawing power, drawing tinkering. energy. Yeah, tinkering, <laughs> drawing it from the ether, from the, mm-hmm. the, the unknown and bringing it down to earth. Mm-hmm. But the Virgo Virgo 
representation is the hermit card, which mm. some of the major arcana cards are so layered with like so much intricacy and like mm-hmm. symbolism and details. But the hermit is one of the most simple representations mm. in the major arcana, which I think really suits the Virgo archetype as well. Simplicity is their God. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as things are just like absolutely worrying and the Rube Goldberg machine of their mind, <laughs> like everything else needs to be simple. It's to get to the, like the cleanest Occam's razor version of how things can be. Yeah. They love clean living and minimal style. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> love wearing black, like their Capricorn <laughs> sisters mm-hmm. and brothers. But um, the hermit is also one of the most iconic images from the tarot. Most people recognize it. I mean, Led Zeppelin put it on one of their album Mm -hmm. covers. But it depicts an older man uh, wearing a robe, long white beard, has a tall staff, a wizard wand. He's very Mm Gandalf-y. And he's walking in the snow. And he's holding up a lantern that has this six-pointed star in it, which... The six-pointed star represents the upward-facing triangle that is fire and the downward-facing triangle, which is water. So it's basically the idea of going in two directions, the outer and the inner world. And this card is about withdrawing from the noise, the busyness, the chaos of the outer world with the purpose of activating the conscious mind. Hmm. Hermits, like the role that they play in culture, in history, is basically as like this alternative to the church, to doctrine, which in the tarot is kind of represented by the Hierophant, Taurus's card. And they remove themselves from society. They live in caves. They live in the desert. They Mm -hmm. live far, far away from other human beings to get closer to the sacred, to get closer to God through their own direct and personal experience with nature. Very like ascetic yoga vibes, vows of poverty. Mm -hmm. But people visit hermits to basically get their direct wisdom, wisdom that can only happen when you remove yourselves from the noise of the world around you, connect with nature. But crucially, because this also follows the strength card that we talked about in the Leo episode, it's withdrawing from the ego as well Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, to get to the deeper currents of your own mind and Mm -hmm. your own understanding of the world around you. It's a spiritual part of the axis of Pisces and Virgo. Completely, completely. And like the practice of it where Mm -hmm. it's like, the Pis- prayer and yes. the ritual. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because even though the hermit was withdrawn from society, like I said, it's like they were still connected with humanity. Like people mm-hmm. would come visit them and it sometimes show up to like, especially like Greek hermits, yell at the, <laughs> like yell at senators and cause drama. Um, <laughs> but it makes me think so much of the transcendentalists and Ralph Waldo Emerson and Thoreau, where it's just like getting back into like this purity of relationship with nature to better know yourself. But you are choosing a path. When you when you enter your hermit mode, <laughs> when you enter your Virgo mode, you are entering a path away from what's known, away from the support of the world around you. And the the light that's thrown by his lantern only illuminates a couple steps ahead. Mm-hmm. There's an element of faith that's required. Faith and action together, mm-hmm. which is like, how Virgo can you get? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really fascinating. I mean, th- this is a whole other episode topic, really. But thinking about the times in history when we fetishized this simplicity or this hermitage. Yes. Where it's like, I want to just know the wisdom of only two steps ahead. <laughs> yeah. It's like Marie Antoinette having her little her simple <laughs> village cosplay. with hermitage. Yeah. <laughs> To visit her little hermit. and Well, also, it was very trendy to people have living, just have hermits on the ground. Right. <laughs> Which I guess that was the, I, that's what I heard, that hermitage yeah. came from that. Yes, from it was. That was where she would cosplay as being like a shepherdess. And then right, I'm sure there was right. like another like hermit somewhere else. <laughs> um, which is so fucking which funny. Which is just ADUs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's so funny because actually, like, you'd think of them as being so Leo, but Louis the Fourteenth and Cardinal Richelieu, his mm-hmm. his consigliere, <laughs> were both Virgos. Uh, yeah, which is so funny because one of their tactics of Versailles, of like the spectacle, the courtly spectacle of Versailles, to keep all of these noble people busy so they wouldn't raise little armies against the throne, is to just keep them so busy all day <laughs> with like little tasks and rituals and like watching the king get a bath and like (laughs) just the ornate amount of systems that are inside of it to just keep everybody busy it's so funny to me yeah the busy busy bee quality of it that's the honeybee is literally ruled by virgo they really need to be busy idle hands are (laughs) the devil's playground for virgo that's when it really just goes into the spiral of criticality yeah yeah it's funny because virgos also rule digestion and the digestive system in the Mm -hmm. body the part of us that turns food into energy and then expels waste in this very efficient way Mm -hmm. and it's just funny like there's this quality of virgo that is just so gnarly they can handle i mean there's so many virgos in medicine that's a really wonderful and natural placement for virgos er nurses are Mm -hmm. They, they, they can handle and like that mutable part of them responds well to a lot of problem solving activity and kind of chaos. They really are activated by it and start arranging things, but also like the comfort with the grossness and the abjection of the body. Totally. Which we'll get into in our horror season, but there's a lot of horror and horror writers and directors in Virgo. Yes. The amount of horror directors with Venus in Virgo and just Virgo sons is like actually astounding. Yeah. Yeah. That's the part that can do really well in any kind of nurse caretaker position. In my opinion, they will literally wipe your ass and yeah. dab up your blood and not really have a problem with it. No, it's a good outlet or it's like a makes sense. Bodies, to a certain extent, injuries can be solved in ways mm-hmm. that other more existential ideals of like having the perfect body, which is a vice of many Virgos, mm-hmm. the, that is not solved <laughs> because perfection, once again, is not a... It's a final form. Mm -hmm. It's like a broken arm. They can look at like an insane compound fracture and just kind of get to that analytical stem brain of theirs and just be like, okay, step one, stop the bleeding. (laughs) Step two, get a splint. Or I don't know what the steps are. (laughs) I'm clearly um, more on the humanities side of things. (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's process. Yeah, the process of fixing things and just like that comfort with it. The ugly, ugly parts of life are necessary to know what perfection is. (laughs) 
Well, it's not that dissimilar from moving rocks around to keep the river flowing. It's just like <laughs> resetting bones. It's yeah. just all of this needs to work back in order. There's a machine to tend to. Yeah. The body as machine is a problem, actually, for many Virgos. Like, mm. they're so good at seeing all the component parts of everything. Like, that's mm-hmm. what makes them such good tinkerers and little engineers and surgeons and designers and just being able to see all of the necessary parts that need to, like, like zeroing in on all of the little individual pieces, all the individual flaws that need to be cor- corrected, and then pulling them all together in a perfect way. But... That compartmentalization or separation of looking at individual parts can create a lot of self-destructive qualities Mm -hmm. for a Virgo that after all lives inside of a whole body that works together, an imperfect body, a body that also needs its own caring and tendering. They're very comfortable with caring and tending to others, but to themselves, they just wish that they could run on like (laughs) coffee and like I don't know, wheatgrass. <laughs> I mean, they do well in the pageant circuit to their detriment a lot of the time. But yeah, yeah. that Raquel, kind of like Rachel, being... Rachel, R.I.P. <laughs> yeah, Raquel and Rachel, Beyonce. Yeah. I mean, it's just that ability to know that every part of them is being looked at and fix it. Yeah. The way that Beyonce has uh, basically a constant documentary... Mm-hmm. crew following her every move and is constantly I mean I don't know I don't know if renaissance era Beyonce is still doing this I hope that she's I know that she is to a certain extent but I hope that she's not to the extent it's like years ago like right around when her that documentary came out the first documentary I can't remember what it was called that she made on HBO mm-hmm. it's like she was doing some rare press and it's just like the extent to which her life is a feedback loop of her monitoring herself mm-hmm having everything she does filmed, watching it back again, and Mm -hmm. then correction, 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 correction. That's no way to live, honey. (laughs) I know. It makes for a really strange experience watching her speak sometimes. Yeah. She can go slide into... Or social media or something. You're just like, is this a person? Yeah. Yeah. Everything is very deliberate. Mm -hmm. Um, Virgos in repose can have natural grace. It's just this quality. Like, they're so dancerly as well. So, like, ballet, ballerinas are just so fucking Virgo. Like, because the product is transcendence the product Mm -hmm. is making it look like your body is just floating through Mm -hmm. the air and you're twirling effortlessly (laughs) and perfectly Mm -hmm. but your feet are bleeding yeah (laughs) you're living on cigarettes (laughs) (laughs) to create this work of art of your body and Neptune in Pisces has demanded that even more I mean now that we have Saturn in Pisces opposing it it's a little bit more like you need to tend to yourself and do the real healing. Yeah. Rachel in rehab. Mm-hmm. But it's like... Yeah. Go to book yourself into an Arizona rehab yeah. and set the record straight with Bethany. <laughs> yeah. What are some more lovely Virgo recommendations? Mm. Well, Phantom Thread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that really fits a lot of those keywords uh, we were just talking I about. I love Phantom Thread. I mean... 
it's no secret among the people that know me that I often find myself lusting after neurotic Virgo types. Uh, <laughs> I ended up with a guy with a Virgo moon, but there's just something about those crazy ass Virgos. <laughs> And they are, what I also want to say, just as a little sidebar, is the the ability to like separate mind and body and work the mind on the body or against the body. Virgos are horny little freaks. <laughs> they are. Everyone says Scorpio is the biggest sex maniac of the... Mm-hmm of the Zodiac, but they can also equally be like celibate. Virgos, like all earth signs are libidinal, but the ways that they, they are kinky little weirdos, definite praise kinks. Every single Virgo has one of those, (laughs) but like the way that they get down and dirty with like the mechanics of sex is Mm -hmm. also to the Virgo level of perfection, (laughs) you know, or like, And on the spectrum of body horror, just like body immersion. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But it also, I think, makes them huge fuckboys because they Mm. can really separate their emotional world and like their emotional vulnerability from physical vulnerability. They can get get their rocks off and then go back to the workshop. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway. (laughs) Yeah, Phantom Thread is a really good example. But like, so it's about this relationship. Daniel Day-Lewis, I'm sorry. He's hot in this movie. He's hot in everything. But Are like, you kidding? I know. He's so hot. He's so hot. It's a relationship between this fashion designer and his muse. They have this kind of kinky game that they play where because she is rebellious and resistant and he can be controlling. And then in that Virgo way, I guess I was kind of describing, it's like turn cold and distant, but also turn her into like, his muse, his his Pygmalion, his work of art, his mm. inspiration for all of his like insane couture creations. But spoiler alert here for the ending, but this is like the Virgo clincher for me. His girlfriend, his muse, gets so fed up with his fucking bullshit that she poisons him <laughs> with some mushrooms. Not to death, but like makes him violently ill. Mm. And then it, it, this is somewhere in the midpoint of the movie and takes care of him. And that like reignites their relationship because it's the only way he can be vulnerable <laughs> is actually being like poisoned and forced to be like, this patient. She never knows if he knows that she did that to him. But at the very end of the movie, she finds out that he did know and he wants her to do it again. It's <laughs> amazing. Oh, such a good movie. I got to watch that again. I know. I want to watch it's that beautiful. again. But that's the perfect earthly Munchausen by proxy. <laughs> Virgo delight. Yes, pink. exactly. <laughs> Make me your patient. I'll yeah. be your nurse. You be my nurse. <laughs> I have one from Frances Farmer. Who's, she was an actress of the 40s, but she wrote this. Did you ever read this? God dies. No. She wrote this essay as a senior in high school in 1931. She was just kind of like a strange prodigy in in a Virgo. (laughs) And she wrote this essay that caused this big controversy when she was only 18 or 19 because it won all these awards, but it was called God Dies. (laughs) And I just wanted to read a little portion of it because it really, it just, we talked a little bit about the transcendence and the spirituality of the Virgo Pisces axis. Virgo is very much in that part, but it's always trying to figure out what can be done on the earthly mm-hmm. plane. Yeah. How to, can perfection, yeah. how can the perfection of paradise and like <laughs> yeah, transcendence yeah. 
how can heaven be a place on earth? <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to read this one little, it's really like haunting and amazing to read just as like an 18 year old, 17 year old girl in 1931 wow. writing this, but I'm going to read one little section. Religion was too vague. God was different. He was something real, something I could feel, but there were only certain times when I could feel it. I used to lie between cool, clean sheets at night after I'd had a bath, after I'd washed my hair and scrubbed my knuckles and fingernails and teeth. Then I could be quite still in the dark with my face to the window with the trees in it and talk to God. I'm clean now. (laughs) I've never been as clean. I'll never be cleaner. And somehow it was God. I wasn't sure that it was just something cool, dark and clean. (laughs) Wow. Cool, dark and clean. Yeah, and she goes on to say that, like, so at night when I went to bed, I would think, I'm clean, I am sleepy, and then I went to sleep. It didn't keep me from enjoying the cleanness any less. I just knew that God wasn't there. He was a man on a throne in heaven, so he was easy to forget. (laughs) Whoa. She's really haunted, but she's contemplating the messiness of spirituality versus her own perfection and cleanliness. It's pretty amazing, but it's funny when she was like interviewed about it. She's like, I don't know what the big deal is. <laughs> she's like, I was just Her thinking. whole life story is so haunting and so mm-hmm. crazy. There's an amazing episode of You Must Remember This in like the first season oh. about her. What There's a lot of actually like actresses from this era that sort of symbolize the beauty of this era in like the 30s and 40s, like Lauren Bacall, she's a Virgo. Greta Garbo, Ingrid Bergman, mm-hmm. like that kind of just, all with Venus Leos. Yeah, all with Venus Leos. That's a powerful combination. But it was funny. Uh, there's this anecdote about Lauren Bacall when she was in her first. She was like 19 in her first movie with Humphrey Bogart, who's like in his 40s and a huge star mm-hmm. to have and have not. And that's there's this famous scene between them. This is where they they, they met and fell in love. This mm-hmm. famous scene where he throws her a seg and she she's like you know how to whistle, don't you? You know what I mean? Where she's like flirting with him and it's just like she has that like husky voice and Mm -hmm. she's so like panther-like and sleek. But she has this really like chin tilted down, penetrating eyes. And she said of that scene that she was so absolutely nervous, shaking from head to toe because this is like her first movie and she's projecting this like strong femme fatale Mm -hmm. image. But she did that look basically to Uh like get, it's like the only way that she could communicate like talk and communicate she was so nervous downcasting her face and like her eyes are like tilted up and that became her look yeah exactly um I want to talk a little bit about these funny broad humor of these certain Virgos like Elvira my queen Cassandra Peterson Mm. a Virgo I've said this before and I'll say it again. Morticia and Elvira taught me how to be a woman. And like, (laughs) (laughs) I am forever in her debt. She's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Uh, A Valley icon. (laughs) Slept with Elvis and she's like on Tom Waits' album cover. (laughs) Like lived a crazy ass life. Yeah. Besties with Paul Rubens, Pee Wee, our, our Virgo angel. Yeah. But like... I noticed this, like, obviously Elvira is all, like, boob, big puns. Puns, 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 Mm -hmm. puns, puns. Puns about boobs um, (laughs) all day long. And 
Lisa Vanderpump, another Virgo, is also just so like cannot resist these innuendo, like these just big, mm-hmm. broad, crass mm-hmm. innuendos at every turn. Dolly Parton, a Virgo rising. It's always just bringing it back to these body parts. And I just like, where is that in a Virgo? I mean, there's like a part of it where it's like build like in the Beyonce superpower pageant way where it's just like I'm building the thing that you're looking at and the me is inside somewhere mm-hmm. else. But it's just striking to me because there's such corny horn horn dogs. <laughs> well, I think that's the the earthy Mercury where Taurus is campy, like we talked mm-hmm. about. And the other Mercury rule sign, Gemini, is so effervescent and bubbly and kind of random <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> Having an earthy Mercury is a little like plottish or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like kind of like any earth sign has a little darkness to it and uh, heaviness to it. Mm-hmm. So for Mercury to be light and heaviness, is it is kind of a dark humor. Yeah. Totally. But I I love it. Like Jarvis Cocker is another example. I I absolutely love Pulp. And he's another Virgo I have a crush on. But he's the same way where it's just like Mm -hmm. his horny, corny ass lyrics sometimes. (laughs) Like sometimes it's poetry and sometimes it's just like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Gotta say Keanu Reeves. So hot. So nice. So interesting. Humble, grounded. You only ever hear the best stories about Keanu Reeves. Hardworking actor, gives incredible bonuses to his entire crew. He just turns up in these ways where it's just like, oh yeah, you know, all of us got our flight stranded and we had to like ride the shuttle and Keanu was there and he's just on Wikipedia reading out random facts to everybody about the area that we're in. He is just a very gentle, like there's a lot of sorrow around him, but mm-hmm. like, I don't know. He's just peaceful and beautiful and, oh God, he's, he's just so hot. <laughs> yeah, he's really hot. I um, feel like I do really want to mention Mary Shelley. Oh yeah. Well, Solowit, I don't have to say anything, yeah. but it's like the most Virgo artist ever to to like give you instructions on how to draw a million squares (laughs) perfectly is like perfection and but there's like a sense of humor about it so totally uh but mary shelley is just such an interesting figure because she has that super strong female kind of like darkness but she has that pluto and aquarius on her midheaven i started re-listening to an audiobook of frankenstein i was just sort of like "Wow." wow having pluto and aquarius which is about to happen next year on her midheaven, which is all about the dangers of technology mm-hmm. and humanity trying to express its ego through mm-hmm. its creation that comes back to haunt it. it. It's really just so fascinating that she created one of the most famous horror novels. Yeah, she is just so amazing. I mean, like like we said, horror and Virgo are so connected to each other. Yeah. And like, there's literally a whole episode we're going to do about this. And it's not beyond me too going on with our theme in terms of collecting body parts to build like body parts <laughs> body parts yeah basically. <laughs> george bataille is also mm. uh the story of the eye which you know your art school boyfriend was obsessed with yeah. um dh lawrence who's also such a weird ass mm-hmm. author my little sister lila is absolutely obsessed with him and i love that for her <laughs> Everything is just like white loins, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's like just such a, there's like a certain 
cold sexuality <laughs> to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Even though it's so scandalous and horny, it's just like, yeah, this is actually just a metaphor for industrialization. <laughs> yeah, totally. What was uh, the Marquis de Sade? Oh, good question. Gemini. Gemini. <laughs> Gemini freak <laughs> Moon and Virgo, though. Anyway, I just, I think of like Man Ray's photos too. Like that picture, uh, one of his famous ones where it's like of the underside of someone's chin, like their mm-hmm. face is looking up. And so it just creates this weird organic shape once again, out of these really like fragmented body parts. But just to go out, like when Virgo and Pisces energies, like when Neptunian energies are working on Virgo, the most beautiful and transcendent are like making heaven a place on earth is mm. what they're capable of. And that makes me think of the ultimate hermit angel, Mary Oliver, mm. the poet uh, who basically lived most of her life as a hermit, walking through nature, writing these incredibly piercing, but plain spoken and simple poems about the way nature works and how we're all connected with the world around us just based on these observations. Um, Like one of her most famous poems, A Summer's Day, when she's contemplating this grasshopper that's in her hands and just wondering how God made all of this creation that's around her as she's sitting in a meadow, but then she's just focusing on this specific grasshopper and that she's feeding sugar to. And that's the one that ends with like, what will you do with your wild and precious life? One of her many sound bites, but Mm -hmm. um, she has Virgo sun, moon and Neptune conjoined. Mm -hmm. Um, Leonard Cohen also a Virgo sun and rising conjunct and also with Venus, Neptune conjunct in Virgo and a moon in Pisces. Incredibly elegant, libidinal Mm -hmm. piercing poetry of the ecstasy and the pain of life and dark nights of the soul and just really like the these moments of just profound transcendence that can exist inside of darkness and the mundane you know this is like one of the most common and well circulated Leonard Cohen lyrics Um, from Anthem, but it makes me think so much about an elder Virgo's wisdom for everyone, but especially other Virgos, Mm -hmm. which is ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Mm -hmm. I was listening to Mary Oliver's. She had this incredible interview um, with that NPR podcast on being several years ago, which Mm -hmm. is just like Mm -hmm. so heart opening, such like elder wisdom, which I really think that like Hermit and Virgo like really Mm -hmm. represent that seasoned, well-lived life. But she said that, let me get this, attention is the beginning of devotion and the way that Virgos are attentive and the way that that translates to their devotion. I just find that to be so beautiful, but I'm going to read Wild Geese. (laughs) Yeah. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. 
whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. (laughs) So beautiful. I just feel like they get the way that Virgo transcendence can happen in these really mundane, natural, nature-connected ways just by walking and looking. (laughs) Yeah, you have to. Otherwise, it's too overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. You need those simple, small details to connect yourself to whatever is divine and godly. I mean, when we think about Virgo season this time around, and we're thinking about the horoscopes coming up Mm -hmm. with Mercury retrograde, it's a really, you know, interesting task that Virgo and Mercury retrograde has right now because after the drama of Venus retrograde and really us understanding where we need attention, where we need to express ourselves, how our ego is easily bruised, Virgo is really coming in and helping us ground it into understanding how to synthesize it in a practical way and make good on what we want those ideals to be Mm -hmm. and it does kind of start off with a mess yeah (laughs) it starts I mean having both Venus and Mercury retrograde is not easy it's just Mm -mm. a lot of delays and sluggishness and you know headache and heartache still yeah and that's really the end of August from the 23rd pretty much until September 3rd when Venus goes direct but there's a full moon on August 30th that kind of highlights the the culmination mm-hmm. as full moons can be and it's in the Pisces. full moon in Pisces is conjunct Saturn so it's really showing the opposition of where you have to constrain yeah and it's frustrating it's frustrating as my um, Virgo rising niece said when she was complaining about something <laughs> toddlers complain about yeah. to my mom, she was saying, it's not very perfect. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just feels like hitting a wall. We're already just tired, tired, tired. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of like replenishment and mm-hmm. excitement coming in. There's a lot of busyness but it doesn't feel exactly generative Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of like a high high point or a low point or like a drama (laughs) point yeah Um, and then september 3rd though venus goes direct yeah which it doesn't you know it slowly comes out of its its retrograde (laughs) (laughs) it's still in leo until october which is just wild (laughs) but similarly to the venus kazemi on august 13th there's clarity that happens it doesn't necessarily mean that you're suddenly off to the races and feel great but you can see a perspective that you couldn't see before There's the Mercury Kazemi on September 6th and it's trying Jupiter, which is really lovely and supportive. And that is when the door kind of opens and you have some optimism about what is possible in the future. It's still retrograde. You can't like launch your big next thing, but it's like Cinderella with all the animals (laughs) are helping you clean your house. (laughs) It's like, all right, I can, I'm starting to get organized. Like I'm still not at the ball. Right. But, um, we can sew everything. Yeah. I don't have to do all this shit myself. (laughs) It's really, really good for 
organizing all the things that you've been reflecting on or recognizing your patterns in relationships or how you relate to certain things wherever Venus retrograde has been for you. Virgo's here to help. Mm-hmm. It's here to give it some structure to think about next steps. So, And it can handle the mess. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. And then there's a new moon in Virgo, not even 24 hours before Mercury goes direct. So that really feels like that's the new start to when you can finally do something with your life. <laughs> right? <laughs> you can finally sign the contract you've been waiting three months yeah. to sign. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we should really get into the horoscopes of everything. Yes. For everyone. So starting with Virgo rising, Mercury retrograde will be in the first house. Venus is still in the 12th house retrograde. This is, you know, not the easiest placement at all to have. Mm-mm. either of these happening <laughs> <laughs> no it's kind of what like the leo risings have been going through but right virgo rising likes to be busy mm-hmm. and they're the busy bees and mercury is basically making that not very possible or just making it a total mess so it can feel like you're trying to get all of this stuff done and it's not going smoothly it's the day-to-day details the way that you're communicating the way that you are talking with everyone in the world and <laughs> presenting yourself With Venus in the 12th, you still have to watch for like spilling secrets or kind of like, you know, you want to check in with your unconscious feelings because Mercury retrograde can really open the floodgates on spilling something you don't want to. Yeah, for the slip stuff. And by the time you get to the more, after the Kazemian, you get to the more organized part of the retrograde. Jupiter is in your ninth and that should really help you see the bigger picture as to what you're trying to do in this Mm -hmm. life, how you're trying to present what kind of busyness is really actually important. Yeah. Yeah. Libra rising. So Mercury is going to be retrograde in your 12th house. Venus is retrograde in your 11th. This is a real, similarly to the, the note about like, there's like overlap because Venus and Uh, Mercury are retrograde in the houses that are right next to each other Mm -hmm. for everybody. So here you're just similarly, don't gossip. You (laughs) don't want Mercury retrograde in your 12th house to fuck you up. And I know that you love your gossip, but don't just don't go there. Mm -hmm. Don't say anything too. Don't say anything too controversial. Don't spill it. Yeah. Similarly, it's like, don't, don't spill someone's secret. (laughs) Especially as a Libra rising, like don't not find that they you. are so controversial. <laughs> no, but they can do the thing where they can be in a situation and want to connect or like be liked, mm-hmm. and they yeah. say something to make the other person happy, and then it's like, oh no, you shouldn't Whoops. have said that. <laughs> yeah, that has like a much higher chance of going awry and creating the disharmony that you hate so much mm-hmm. <laughs> in the in the group chat. So just don't do it. Um, but it's like, yeah, it has the energy, uh, of reading and editing old things you've written in like a library, which feels so like mm-hmm. 12th housey, <laughs> a kind of liminal space of lots of magic and potential, but mm-hmm. also like some guy looking at porn on the old computer over there. <laughs> <laughs> when I had Mars retrograde in my 12th house for a million years, back when Mars was retrograding through Gemini, I was like, what's the most beautiful library in LA? <laughs> It's like the not the way to introduce myself to LA, but that's what I felt like doing. Well, so. damn. I was like, what is the most beautiful library in LA? 
probably at like UCLA or something. Like, like there's Hills, a lot of maybe. yeah. I mean, Brand is great too. Yeah, there's lots of beautiful libraries in LA. Yeah, actually. the West Hollywood one. Yeah, so that might be fun. Yeah, <laughs> like picking up old research topics. All, with anything 12th house, just like some solitary time mm-hmm. thinking. And because it's also in Virgo, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like work through your brain alone <laughs> a mm-hmm. little bit. It could also be just like some health stuff um, yeah. with the 12th house with in Virgo and like maybe some chronic illness flare ups if, if that affects you. It could be really like health or body, mental health things mm-hmm. that kind of just like appear in out of the middle of nowhere, like in that very 12th house boo kind of way mm-hmm. to, yeah, take care of your mental health. Mercury and Virgo wants you to just slow things down. Yeah, all retrogrades want you to slow down. Even though it feels very slow, stay there. Yeah, exactly. Don't move yet. Scorpio rising, Mercury retrograde happening in the 11th house, Venus in the 10th. Um, You're really maybe rethinking your goals and expectations. Are they your goals or other people's goals that you've adapted for yourself? It's, It's a lot about group dynamics at work or the ways that that you were kind of communicating within a group at work, especially because Scorpio rising is pretty private and you might not be fully communicating in that clear, practical Mm -hmm. way that you need to at work or, and you have Leo up at the top of your chart. There is this desire to really express yourself and you might just be figuring out how to do that in a more Mm -hmm. practical way. The 11th house is also just your friends. So are you communicating enough with them? Yeah. (laughs) Do you communicate the practical ways of taking care of your friends or showing up on time (laughs) or just, yeah, little, little Virgoian details. Virgoian? Virgoian. Virgoian. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sag rising, Mercury is retrograding through the 10th and you've got Venus in the 9th. Man, this is really like a comeback from vacation. Work needs you ASAP. (laughs) Can you hop on a quick call? (laughs) Can you hop on a quick flight? (laughs) Um, But it could also be like your parents needing you um, with Mm the 10th. Could be, it could be just like a little bit of a flurry of like work opportunities showing up, but like, you just really need to keep your eye on the details because like Uranus is also in the sixth for you. Um, You're craving freedom from work. Yeah. Always as sad rising. Yeah. You never want to be just nose to the grindstone too much in an office setting or anything like that. But you've, that's been especially present with you now, especially also with Neptune and Saturn in the fourth that kind of connects back to like parents, Mm -hmm. parents needing you kind of stuff. But there's a lot of energy for you but like how's it all gonna get done that's where the Virgo part mm-hmm. <laughs> comes in with the process it feels just like yeah your head's really out of the game with work stuff and you might just want to be escaping all your routines double mi- middle fingers out the escape hatch <laughs> to your life or just go back to school but yeah Mercury's being a little bit of like a scold for mm-hmm. you here just hey you still need to send that email even though you want to go hang gliding <laughs> yeah Sorry, sad rising. Yeah, sorry. Capricorn rising, Mercury retrograde in the ninth house. Venus is still in the eighth. Uh, this is really kind of like if you are in school, it's really just good for studying and re-editing papers and what you're learning. Uh, but your mind is kind of escaping daily reality a little bit. 
Well, okay. So Venus in the eighth, you could could have really been examining your collaborations, your deeper partnerships, maybe just how you share your resources. And the ninth house Mercury retrograde is kind of trying to organize the bigger picture details of how that's going to grow, mm-hmm. how you're going to move out of the behind the scenes of, of your collaborations. Having Mercury in this big kind of life philosophy house, you might just really be reconsidering, especially as a Capricorn rising, like, what do you believe? Mm-hmm. Why are you doing all of this? What's, right. what's, what's it all for? Yeah, what's it all for? Like, what do you really want your lifestyle to be and your life purpose to be? What do you believe? Doesn't mean you can act on it yet. No. But you can be rethinking a lot of it. Um, Aquarius rising, uh, Mercury is retrograde in your eighth and Venus is retrograding still in your seventh. Lots and lots of relationship stuff here and Mm -hmm. how you relate to people practically, how you communicate vulnerability or don't because you're an Aquarius rising. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Pluto's been in the 12th for you in Capricorn for so long, but this retrograde could really be helpful. Kind of like the therapy stuff coming in after all like the relationship drama mm-hmm. of Venus retrograde in the seventh. What are your therapeutic tools mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to handle any drama that might have been kicked up in your one-on-one relationships while Venus has been retrograde in your seventh? Yeah, like the Leo seventh house can be super insatiable because it does not really know itself. So, or it just wants to be acknowledged and mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily have a great reason why. So that could be have been really kicking up a lot in kind of feelings of uncharacteristic neediness and, or need for attention in your uh, during this Venus retrograde. So Mercury could just be really helpful here in kind of like using yeah using your therapeutic tools like Mm -hmm. to bring yourself back into more comfortable balance with how you work in your relationships yeah this it feels almost like an Aquarius rising deciding to be poly or something and then the communication of (laughs) doing that with your partner can bring up a lot of shame or like difficulty but it's just this like but you're so <laughs> this good. is what I want. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, that's spot on. <laughs> Pisces rising. Mercury is in the seventh house while Venus has been in the sixth. <laughs> this one's kind of like fighting with your partner about chores. <laughs> you know, Venus in the sixth has really been pushing you to desire a just day to day routine and and lifestyle that feels more beautiful and eased and maybe more creative or expressive or playful. But Mercury is kind of like, are you going to help me do that? Or do I still have to do all the dishes? Like, when can I paint? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah, it's just kind of like, how do you uh, recalibrate your partnerships, even if it's just at work or recalibrate how you relate to people so that you can tend to your mind body connection, that kind of Virgo and there I go again. Virgonian <laughs> sixth house. Totally. Um, Aries rising. Mercury is retrograde in the sixth, and Venus has been going ham in your fifth house. <laughs> this just feels really like sixth house stuff and Virgo stuff and Mercury stuff. 
they're all connected. That's Mm -hmm. Virgo's chosen house. Mm -hmm. This is where just Mercury retrograde could just really just be fucking with your schedule and the details of your work. Like, especially if you have kids, which speaks to like the Venus in the fifth part. Like if you're considering having kids or working on fertility stuff now, this might just be calling attention to more health details that are needed first, like getting your body together for the fertility journey that you need and being too stressed yeah relaxing (laughs) yeah exactly getting balanced like and if you have creative ideas that have been knocking or that have been kind of stirred back up again since venus has been retrograding in your fifth it might just mean you need to clean up the noise and chaos of the stressy daily routine stuff before you can get working on those when everything goes direct Mm mm-hmm yeah, Taurus rising, Mercury retrograde in the fifth house is not totally dissimilar. It's Venus has been in the fourth, so there's a lot around your home and family and and just your your emotional security and how rooted and grounded you feel emotionally. Mercury in the fifth is like <laughs> if you do have kids, it could feel like a headache. Mercury <laughs> is very childlike anyway. Retrograde, it's just like all your all your kids back to school stuff is <laughs> yeah. fucked up. It's an, similar in like who does the household work, but it's working. It's very creative problem solving in terms of what kind of projects you do to express yourself, whether it's rewriting or revisiting some creative projects that you've been doing. If you're building a, a studio at home, literally with Venus in the fourth, that could be delayed. And it might just be really thinking practically about how you can schedule in more playful, creative fun in your life. Not Um, that Taurus Risings have such a hard time with that, but still. (laughs) (laughs) It's also really like Venus in the fourth, uh, Mercury in the fifth. To me, like in a therapy sense, it's really thinking about who you were at your most playful and creative as a kid. Like, did you love to sing and now you never sing? Maybe that's something to get back to. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Gemini rising uh, with your Mercury retrograde happening in the fourth house and Venus in the third. It's like kind of real like behind the scenes of of life (laughs) energy Mm -hmm. right now. Like what lifestyle are you actually working (laughs) for? Like what, what, what do you... (laughs) mercury in virgo retrograde in your fourth house has so much to do with all of the little daily stuff that make like a sense of home and security work and it's networked with the venus retrogrades happening in your third which is like your neighborhood and your daily life and your literal neighbors Mm -hmm. there could be just neighbor drama and miscommunications with that that you might already have been experiencing with mercury with venus sorry venus retrograde in your third it could be just like maintenance stuff in your house or like getting a better relationship with your neighborhood or community it could be a lot of looking at the busyness of your life and whether or not that actually has substance, whether or not that's making you feel secure or grounded, like all the work that you're doing. Mm. Similarly, I can't remember which rising sign we're talking about this with. Maybe it was Capricorn, but like, what is it all for? Yeah. It could be just looking around and not really loving your surroundings. And Mercury might just be helping you getting grounded in your home base and your security base that can help you just feel more connected in your neighborhood, having friends over, feel more expansive in your 
everyday life. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot of poetry to how it keeps connecting to the rising sign. Gemini rising wants to socialize all the time and Mercury retrograde in the fourth feels like, oh, your house is like so cluttered with your dumb stuff yeah. <laughs> and you actually just want to clean it all up so you can have people over more often. Mm-hmm. Cancer rising, Mercury retrograde in the third and Venus has been in the second. This is work stuff just watch out for work emails like don't write something crazy in your work emails don't sign contracts about money or like if you can delay starting a job Mm -hmm. it's better to do it after mercury goes direct it just kind of is a general all-purpose miscommunication (laughs) house with mercury retrograde there and it it can really highlight how your day-to-day life feels especially if you are working for yourself in some way which a lot of people Mm -hmm. are these days it might just feel like does my day-to-day life feel balanced enough am I especially after the pandemic like am I socializing enough or am I just isolated in my house working from home once again very cancer rising yeah totally (laughs) and so how do you connect with people when you are feeling good about yourself and what do you need to do to make that happen around your work schedule Mm -hmm. Finally, Leo rising. So this Mercury retrograde is in your second and Venus, of course, as you know, has been in your first. (laughs) Um, This is just a lot. This is this is a kind of like heavier one that's like you've been your first house. Your sense of identity in this world has been put up for consideration and challenge with Mm -hmm. Venus retrograding there for so long. The second house retrograde, it really just drives that point home in terms of like the consideration of the external validations versus what you actually value and what you're trying to attract. Like Mm -hmm. Leah Risings just want attention and want love and want appreciation anyway, 24 seven. But when that comes to translating that into how you make money, how you build a sense of security, what your real self-esteem is. What your real (laughs) self-esteem is. Exactly. Like when you take all of the like fluffing away, Mm -hmm. which has been happening with the Venus retrograde, what's left and what are you working for? What what do you want to do with all of this gorgeous Leo energy that you have once Mm -hmm. everything goes direct? What do you actually want to build versus just what you get, (laughs) Mm -hmm. what you, what the world just gives you. So definitely no big contracts or purchases with, with, the Mercury retrograde in your second house. This is true of everyone, but especially Leo Risings could have to do with business concerns and just kind of getting your financial house in order to so you can bolster that sense of security. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think generally Virgo has such a good answer to a lot of Leo messiness mm-hmm. that we've been experiencing that a good way of getting real self-esteem and expressing yourself is by having it be in some kind of service for something else, a bigger purpose or for other people. It just, if it's not just all about your own ego validation, it starts to feel a lot more meaningful. Totally. And grounded. Wow. We did it. We did it. And thank you all so much for listening to our first season. 
when we come back, I feel like Venus is still going to be in fucking Leo. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but we are really excited to take a break. And we mentioned it in the last episode, but we'll mention it again. We want to hear from you in terms of what you'd like to know more about from us. Totally. And definitely, we just really love talking to you, period. We it's We just record this and it goes out into the ether and it just feels really good when get little <laughs> pings back yeah <laughs> validate this leo rising <laughs> please i need it yeah um but to go out i think there could be nothing more appropriate than this little mary oliver poem it's called i go down to the shore i go down to the shore in the morning and depending on the hour the waves are rolling in or moving out and i say oh i'm miserable what shall what should i do and the sea says in its lovely voice, excuse me, I have work to do. <laughs> I love it. Bye. Bye, everyone. Club Cosmos Radio is created by Kristen Stegemuller and Malia Croy. Follow us on Instagram at Club Cosmos Radio and send your burning astrology questions and hot topics to us at clubcosmosradio at gmail.com. <laughs>